Hello and welcome. My name is Clemens Che and I'm a research fellow at the Middle East Institute in Singapore. And joining the conversation today is Saudi scholar Iman al-Hussein. We'll be taking stock of the reforms that have rolled out in the kingdom five years since the launch of Vision 2030 by the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Iman, why don't you briefly introduce yourself? Thank you, Clemens, and uh, thank you for having me. My name is Iman Al-Hussein, and I'm uh, a researcher working on the Gulf, and specifically Saudi Arabia, where I come from. I'm a non-resident fellow at the Arab Gulf States Institute in Washington. Thanks, Iman, for the introduction. Of course, we're also doing this recording as a way for scholars working on the kingdom to react, particularly for one of our upcoming webinars at MEI on this subject. Iman, my first question is a broad one regarding the Saudi national vision. Of course, subsumed under Vision 2030 is also the National Transformation Programme 2020. So how and what can we make of the progress thus far? What are the areas of success and the limits or challenges? Well, the vision has been an important roadmap for Saudis, and it promises so much change and transformation, not only on the social and the cultural scene, but also for the economy. I think for a major project like this, there will always be positive outcomes and maybe not so positive ones, which is totally expected. In terms of the successes, I think it is uh, great that the country has opened up. Uh, we know that next month there will be many cultural events taking place. Yes, there are many who say this is all bread and circus, but I think we shouldn't look at it from a purely critical perspective without also acknowledging the positive outcomes of this transformation. I think the creative art scene has taken some major and uh, important steps. There is so much interest in developing local cinema and television production, which before was not really approved of. Another uh, positive outcome, I think, is the increase of Saudi female participation in the workforce, which has been very impressive, even though unemployment remains high among women. The challenge, I think, um, have been mostly about uh, rising unemployment in general among Saudis. Of course, the vision uh, aims to have more Saudis join the private sector as opposed to relying on government jobs. The transition has not been easy and the private sector is still hesitant to employ Saudis. So I think job creations or uh, the, um, you know, finding, creating more jobs for Saudi is becoming the most or, you know, the most pressing challenge so far in terms of the transformation the country is going through. Thanks, Iman. We've all seen further reforms this year in areas of women's rights, like you said, and also on judicial reforms. Uh, earlier in April this year, in an interview given to Al Arabiya, the Crown Prince highlighted achievements in housing, op optimism, in, optimism in reducing unemployment, and, and about change and growth, I quote, there's nothing called too fast. So he mentioned a V-shaped recovery with reference to the pandemic effects, but also about the fact that times may be harsh for a short time before picking up again. And he said that with reference to taxation. So there's a lot of optimism domestically, especially among the youth, but is there an alternative narrative or narratives to this bright and rosy picture about how well reforms are received? 
That's a very good question. And I think one of the issues I see a lot mentioned by analysts and commentators writing on Saudi Arabia is on Saudi youth. Many analysts argue that young Saudis are happy with their reforms, that they are very optimistic, that they are X and Y, but we cannot really say that all young Saudis are in this category or that. It is too broad of an assumption and definitely too simplistic. I am sure there are Saudi youth who are thrilled with the changes, we've seen so far. Others might be skeptical because of rising unemployment or even the narrow space for debate that has become the norm now. Some are conservatives and are definitely not happy with how things uh, are these days. On the other hand, people who are 35 and older might also be happy with these changes and others are definitely not. It is not really a generational divide because the country is big and Saudis come from all kinds of backgrounds. So it's only natural that these changes are perceived uh, or received differently among different Saudis from all kinds of backgrounds and age groups. Thanks, Iman. And finally, one last question on religion, because there's been a lot of talk about moderate Islam and the Crown Prince specifically warned in the same interview I mentioned earlier against committing blindly to religious texts or specific scholars, in this case, referring to Sheikh Mohammed bin Abdul Wahab. We've read and heard about the regime shackling the ulama, the clerics. So what do you make of the kingdom altering its religious image while remaining as the custodian of the two holy mosques? Uh, this has been very um, interesting, uh, what Saudi Arabia has been doing regarding uh, its changing or changing its approach uh, on this regard. The Muslim World League uh, has become the face of this change with its Secretary General, Mohammed Al-Isa. Al-Isa has uh, been instrumental in showing the kingdom's changed approach. He's talking to Muslims in the diaspora and asking them to integrate in their societies. I've written a long paper on this last year that talks about Al-Isa and uh, this uh, approach that uh, he's adopted that maybe others can read if they want. Thank you, Iman.